The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Um, It was my birthday yesterday, and my kids blessed me with this new jersey. I wanted one of these, but geez, they're expensive. So uh, thankful that uh, the kids chipped off, and Joel was reminding them all. I think he fronted the bill, and he... (laughs) He wanted to be on the FaceTime when I opened this, and then as soon as I had finished opened it, he said, and don't forget, you all owe me 20 bucks. <laughs> so um, good, good to be with you guys today, and uh, for those of you joining online as well. So uh, real quick, just want to make an announcement here. On February 8th, if you're new, like if you're a guy that's new to the church um, and you're looking to connect with some other men, or if you're not new and you just like to connect with some guys at the church, put that in your calendars. February 8th, um, this now through like May, we're going to be doing some things together, just trying to get the, some of the men together at the church. And we're going to be uh, headed over to Brian's house. Stand up, Brian. Stand up, everybody. Look at this is who Brian is. So we'll probably go around and move some, to some different homes, but we're going to have a good time, uh, and that's going to be February 8th, if you'd like to be a part of that. Brian's going to be um, doing some more announcing about that, but I, I wanted to get ahead of it and just kind of put that out there uh, for you guys, because we do have a lot of new folks in the church, man, new visitors every week, and that's, that's incredibly encouraging. We're glad that um, you guys uh, have been finding us and connecting with the church So um, before we dive into another book uh, of the Bible and go through it, which I love doing and we're going to do, I really uh, felt led to do this. I've been looking around uh, at many of you and uh, I I feel like I'm looking at people uh, who are living my life a few years ago. And so I just thought, man, I need to do some, I, w- I want to do some teaching, felt impressed of the Lord to do a little bit of teaching uh, about family. And by that, what I mean is there's a lot of you who have young kids um, or you're about to have some kids for the first time. And I, I wanted to, like, I look at that and I can go, I see you, especially those of you with, with these toddlers running around, um, you know, and young kids, I'd say anywhere around eight years old and younger maybe even a little older than that. And uh, I remember, you know, uh, and I tell people this all the time, I was 31 years old, and uh, Abby and I decided, we'd been married for about five years or so, and we decided we were going to, you know, start a family, and so we just started having kids. And that's (laughs) like, like, so 31... um, we're kind of eating out all the time, doing whatever we wanted to do. And at 38, we had five extra people in the house. And we're like, what happened? We're like, I don't know. Uh, and, and it's been a joy of our life to raise these children. But uh, man, it's quick. And so I wanted to like, I felt led to teach on this because I'd always heard, man, you know, time moves fast. So I turned 52 yesterday, and boy, I could tell I'm on the downhill side. And by that, I don't mean I'm falling apart, which I am that too. But it just, it's just moving fast, you know? And, 
And I, I, people who are, um, have been around longer than I have will, will tell you, man, time just, it just seems like it gets quicker and quicker and quicker. And, um, and so these kids, man, <clears throat> what I would say about raising a bunch of kids that are close at age, um, which several of you are doing, well, you're nuts. <laughs> no, it is, it is fun. As I would say, it gets easier. That's the good news. The bad news is he gets a whole lot more expensive. Like, they eat more. Um, Joel can go through a pack of Oreos in about 30 seconds, man. And so the grocery bill goes up, uh, and, and logistically, things are tough. But, but it is a lot of fun to have a lot of kids. And, and when we look at the family, man, God created and ordained the family as the foundational institution for society. And so when we have strong, healthy families, we'll have a strong, healthy society. And when the family is weak, the society it begins to reflect in the culture around us. And we see that happening um, even within our own country. The Greek word for family is the word patria. Um, and, and we find it in the book of Ephesians. And I think it's a really cool verse. Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family, that's that word patria, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And so God, like, man, he, he looks at the family and it is special to him. And we think about, um, from the Christian worldview, the creation of the first humans, <clears throat> right after he created Adam, he created Eve. And the family is just a very special unit that is ordained of the Lord. Um, he even, the word uses uh, the spiritual family that we have within the church, within the context of the church, we're viewed as the family of God. <clears throat> and so we have to ask the question, well, why did God create the family? Like, why was this such an important thing? We look in uh, chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 18, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. This is really, really important. Uh, man was not made to be alone, so God makes two, and he views them uh, when they are come together in covenant, he views them as one. And so the two shall be one. And that's so vitally important, and, and hopefully um, I'll do a little bit of teaching on that in the future, is that, man, it's so important to learn how to function. Like, we don't need to learn how to function as two. We already know, know how to do that. Matter of fact, from the time of our existence, we've learned how to function independently on our own, and we just continue to grow into that independence. Well, when we get married, we're moving into one. And that's the piece that really starts to get... Um, tripped up in society is when a, a couple gets married and then two come together, they don't figure out how to live as, as one. And that's such a vital uh, piece of having harmony in the home. And so the two are to come together and be as one. And so God says, man, man was not, like he wasn't made to be alone. Like we need people in our lives. And so here we have uh, the creation of the woman, the two become one, and we have one family. But it gets better because the family is also a place of creation. So God is a creator, and so he gave us the ability 
to participate in this whole idea of creation. It says in chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so God said, man, be fruitful and multiply. And, and so some of you are going, man, Jimmy, you're crazy. Five kids, insane. I'm just following what the Lord asks us to do, man. <laughs> so and so the, the, the Lord, he wants us to be fruitful and multiply. And so like we... We, uh, when we're doing that, <clears throat> what we see, and this is really cool, is that God chose the, the family as the vehicle through which new souls enter the world. And so when a, when a, when a child is created in a womb, um, then there, there's a new soul created at that, that point in time. We actually um, should have six kids. We lost... Um, the only pregnancy we had any problems out of was uh, Abby's last pregnancy was in like 2010, I believe it was. Is that right? We can't remember. When you have five kids, you can't remember anything like that. It was long about that. I think it was 2010, and, and, and so we would have had six. And so I often think of what our home would be like. One, we wouldn't all fit in our Denali <laughs> if we had that one. But, but uh, there, there's a soul there, man. And that was hard for us to walk through um, that, that moment. And so for those of you who have experienced that, that like, that's, a, that's a real difficult experience to walk through. But man, like when that, when that child is created, there's a new soul, and that soul comes to the planet, and it is welcome to the planet through a, a family. And so God's design for a soul is, is for it to arrive inside of the context of a family. And we have this incredible opportunity to develop a soul for God. Now, some of you are going, well, hey, man, I'm like, it's like, what, should I find another church to go to for the next few weeks while y'all go through? No, man. Like, one, if you're single, <clears throat> um, you may have a family one day. You already have the family of God and everything I'm going to teach, like, it kind of corresponds and works right within the context of the church. We have spiritual family, and so these things, they, um, these principles that I'm going to share, they, they correspond to spiritual development in each other as well. So as we're trying to grow um, each other in our relationship with the Lord, these things are, are vitally important. And uh, so, so just, you know, and if, if you're like young and, and, and uh, just starting out, like, man, take note, because you, you need to have a vision around what it means to have a family. And really what we're, we're doing, again, is developing, when it comes to, to kids, we're developing souls for the living God of the universe. And we're called to harmonize with his design. And he provides instructions for us. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, starting in verse 4, we have known what is... Uh, in Hebrew thought as the Shema. And it's like Jesus refers to it when they ask him uh, during his lifetime, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And he was quoting from the uh, book of Deuteronomy in chapter 6, that uh, uh, verse 4, that's what 
where we find the Shema. Well, it goes on to say that these words which I'm commanding you today, this is verse 6, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And so there is a, 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 there's an instruction here that the Lord expects for us to be like to center our homes and to center our family life around who he is. And basically what he's saying, and this is so vitally important during an oral tradition, which is which they lived in before the time of, of paper and, and writing, things were passed down orally and they had to memorize things. This is why the Jewish children had to memorize uh, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And they went on and their people who advanced in their schools of thought would continue memorizing the word of God and they would they would hand it down orally, but he's saying to all families that when you sit down, when you're walking along the road, when you're doing all these things, you need to be talking about um, the truths that I have given to you. And so we basically are relaying values when it comes to the next generation. A lot of people say, "Man, I'm just going to wait, and uh, I'm going to wait. I don't want to. I don't want to influence my kid about religion. I don't want to influence them with my beliefs. I want them to be able to make up their own decision, which is ridiculous." Because you're not doing that when it comes to soccer, right? You're going to put them in club soccer, going to put them in club band or whatever and try to make them the best that they can be. But when it comes to the things of the Lord, it's like, I don't know. Which was the most important thing? Like, like the most important thing is not to be able to kick a ball, is to be able to understand what the Lord is saying to you, to hear his voice and to follow hard after him. Because we never know what life is going to throw at us, but we know that if the Lord is with us and we know how to walk with him, regardless of what we may face in life, we are prepared for it. And so we are basically passing a baton onto the next generation, and we have to be intentional about that. And the reason we have to be intentional is because we are unintentional by default. Just by default, you will unintentionally teach your kids things. They will pick up things. They will, they will be like you. And so you have to be intentional because there's a force that doesn't want, like there is an evil, spiritual, wicked force that exists in the world. Now, we just spent 29 sermons going through that, through the book of Revelation, Whew. <laughs> right? And we learn about the city of Babylon. It is there, man. It is wicked. It is evil. And it opposes the things of God. And God has created the family to be the vehicle through which new souls enter the world. And he has ordained that family to be the very thing that passes down the values and the truth that he has called truth and important and given to us. And it's to happen in, inside the context of a family. And so the family is so vitally important, and we have to be intentional because the enemy is constantly coming against us and trying to really wreak havoc in the home, trying to disrupt the home, trying to disrupt the unity in the home, trying to get people off track. And if he could do it inside of the home, then it begins to break down society itself. And so we have to be intentional about our families. And so as we look out in our families and go, okay, well, what do I need? How, how do I need, how, what is a good way, um, Jimmy, what is a good way for me to like view my home and raise my kids uh, and do these things? Well, here's, here's what I did. Um, and, and it has worked for me. Like my kids are not perfect. Amen. They're not perfect, but they're good kids. Like they're good kids, man. They, they love the Lord. 
And I'm thankful for that. And they, they have proven um, to influence their friends for the Lord. And, and so like, well, how did we get that done? Well, <laughs> I am not, I'm not the devotional guy. We don't sit around in our house because I'm a pastor and read the Bible once a week. We've never done that. We, um, we do pray over meals sometimes, but we don't pray over every meal. You see, what we have done, what I have done, and what I believe that every Christian parent should do is not look toward this set of to-do things to implement in the house, but to be something. Because when you, when you become something, um, and instead of trying to have like this set thing, that's not what he said. He said, when you sit down, when you walk along the road, when you're working, when you're doing all these things, talk about this. And so God is, God is not, a, in the Holbrook home, the Lord has never been something um, that we do at a certain set of, a certain time on the schedule. He's always there. And we are always talking about him. Um, he doesn't just come into the equation when you're in trouble. I think that that's, that's a problem sometimes parents and, and Christian parents get involved in. Is the only time they ever talk about the Lord is when the kids are in trouble. Well, you know, the Bible says this and the Bible says that. And before long, the, the kids begin to think that, the, that the, uh, the Lord is like a principal, man. He's always just trying to catch us. And whack us on the head. We've got to talk about the Lord all the time, not just when we need correction, but when we need encouragement, when we need protection. We just just life in general, man, the Lord is always there. And so what we what I have done is not taken this approach where we're and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with devotionals. I think that's great. Anything you can do um, to talk to your kids about and get in a good rhythm is healthy. But what I want you to see is you can't just rely on that one thing one time a week. Like, you got to have an overall vision for your family. You got to have a vision of, man, how is God going to impact this home? And so, what we did <clears throat> as uh, we, we just kind of had a vision of how, how, how we would like just be who we are and follow Jesus and bring our kids along with us. And so I'm going to give you three things that I've, I've, I've tried to do and implement and create in our home. Uh, that is not brand new uh, for you if you've been around. Um, you've heard me talk about this before. But the first thing is we try to make our house safe. It's a safe house. And so we try to just make it a safe place because everyone has storms that they face in life. Your kids are going to face storms. They're going to be things that don't, don't work out for them. Um, and we don't always have to rescue them and fix things when they're going through a storm. Sometimes all we need to do is provide a safe place for them to be. And they need to learn how to navigate through some of these things. That's just the way life is. We never are immune from storms. When we start to follow Jesus and we fall in love with Jesus, he doesn't protect us from everything that is in the fall. That's why we see that really strong believers get terminal diseases. Um, their houses get hit by tornadoes, don't they, Brian? <laughs> Things happen to believers, and so storms hit homes, and, 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 and we, we need a safe place to retreat um, and, and just kind of walk through some of these moments. Um, 
Proverbs says this in chapter 14, verse 26. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. And so as you look at your home, one of the things you need to do is to provide a place of refuge. Work hard to give your kids a a refuge from the storms of life, a refuge from all of the pressures that they face, because they face pressures. They face pressures on how many, you know, who likes them, who doesn't like them, Uh, especially as they enter into adolescence, which is, you know, we're in that stage of of adolescence right now. We have uh, two in middle school. It's really weird, man. We have two in middle school right now, two in high school, one um, out of high school and trying to chart his uh, career path right now. And it's just wild. I was looking at one of my Facebook memories popped up uh, from five years ago, and, and I was thanking everybody who wished me a happy birthday, and I did, shot a little video and was just thanking everybody. <clears throat> And I, what I did is I, I said, well, let, let me show you what um, 47 years will produce. And, and so I went through and showed Abby, and, and all the kids were on this video, and they said, hey. And they all looked so tiny. And it was just a few years ago, and I was like, wow. Like, they're real humans now. <laughs> they're not little kids anymore. Uh, that's another thing for you um, younger parents is, geez, man, do not get frustrated by Christmas right now, having to put all that stuff together. And because what you will find right now, if you got little kids, you can go spend a couple hundred bucks and you can load the tree up. You spend $200 when they're in high school and you're like, geez, they got nothing, man. There's nothing under there. <laughs> and so embrace this because uh, it's, it's a good thing. But, but give, them, <laughs> give them a place... Uh, to have a refuge during a time of storm, because sometimes change will blow through for them. Change in their friendships, uh, change in their bodies, uh, change in, in all kinds of things that are happening around them. And when that, that change hits them, they need a place of refuge, and it needs to be the home. It needs to be a place where they could come and, and they can relax and be comfortable. When, when failure blows through, like sometimes men... Don't, they don't need to know exactly why they failed all the time. And it's not always appropriate just to walk them through those moments. And it's not always the best thing to say, well, you should have done this. Sometimes maybe you just put on some hot chocolate, man, and let them come around and watch a movie and be with them. And let them know that home is, is a place that when you walk through that, it's okay, you're accepted here. You see, you, you've got to, again, here, here's the secret to parenting. It's, it's this, it is the key to being a successful parent. You treat your kids the way the Lord treats you. And if you'll do that, man, you'll be a great mom, you'll be a great dad. Sometimes it calls for, for grace and mercy, and sometimes it calls for, um, you know, a, a truth to fall on a situation and consequences, Sometimes the Lord lets us bear some consequences because he's shaping us. And we have to be able to balance um, those two things, grace and and truth. And if we can do that, then we will end up developing really strong uh, kids for the Lord. Uh, Sometimes rejection happens. They're going to be rejected. You've been rejected. You know what you can do? Don't protect your kids 
when you get rejected. Let them know that you've been rejected by someone. And when they see that you're rejected, they'll know, they'll begin to see men, um, you know, mom and dad's life, they're not perfect. They, they hurt too. And it's okay to hurt. And sometimes kids need to hurt and they need to be able to come home and, and just have a place to where they can run to the Lord. Man, I go through pain like a lot. Like in the church, you go through pain. And people, uh, you know, people, so I've been doing this for, for three decades now. And people come to the church and people leave the church. And, and when people leave, you know, well, it's not personal. You, you have to tell yourself it's not personal. Like, I'm a person. <laughs> it's personal. And I don't, I, don't, I don't look at it going, oh, they're making a personal thing. It just, I feel it, man. And so it, it's, it's a difficult thing to walk through. And so, I, like, it's good for, for kids uh, to see that. And, and one of the things, the way that I'm able to navigate through it, man, when I'm going through some pain, I just run to the Lord and just talk to Him about it and talk to Him about, man, I... Lord, I like this. This hurts. My heart is heavy in this moment, and it's aching. And I care about your sheep, and I don't understand, you know, why why they're leaving. And uh, the Lord always does this, and He reminds me, "Hey, Jimmy, like just look at the sheep that are coming, and continue to focus on who I'm bringing your way, and influence them for my kingdom." And so that's always good. Like as the Lord is all, like He's so gentle with me. He's so gentle with me when I'm walking through an experience like that. And so what I try to do is when I recognize that my kids are kind of going through some of that, I try to do the same thing. I try to be gentle with them. I try to give them a place where they can feel safe in that moment because that's what I found that the Lord always uh, does for me. This is why, um, this is why again, and, and as I get on this topic, if you've walked through this, I'm not trying to beat you up. But there may be some of you who are thinking about it right now. And I'm trying to wake you up, okay? This is why divorce is so painful. It's so dangerous. is because the, in the home for your kids, your home is designed to be this safe place, this safe space to protect them from the storms of life. And all of a sudden, the eye of the storm is inside the home. And it's blowing up the home. And man, it can be really difficult for kids and so, like, you know, maybe you're, you're struggling in your marriage right now, and you're going, like I, I, like, I don't know if I can continue doing this. You can continue. It shouldn't have to continue being a really difficult relationship. That's not God's will for you to, to have, like, disunity. But you got to figure out how to work that out, and you can. Like, you can face it. You can navigate through it. And sometimes maybe if you don't have the vision for your spouse, just try to have it for your kids. Just for a moment until you can find some help and get some help, man. Get some help because the Lord will have people around you. I'm here available for you. I don't know why I'm talking about this so much right now. Like, that wasn't my plan. It's not in my notes. But you need to know, like, you should never, you should never in the church feel like you can't, like, oh, I'm ashamed if I ask for help. This is a safe place. Like, this is a, this is a hospital. Anytime you're struggling, you should never feel ashamed. Like, just know, like, just be the first. I've struggled in my marriage, okay? If, you bury, if you're married very long, you're going to struggle. And so you're never going to come to me as a pastor or any of the staff on, on church and tell us something. We're going to be like, oh, how could you? <laughs> That's not what the church is about. It's a safe place. And so we want just how we would want the church to be. 
You see, really, your home is just a little uh, microcosm of the church. And, and so you want to make it this safe place for your kids to be able to come and bring whatever to you, whatever it is that they're struggling with that they can bring to you and not worry about how you're going to react because they know this is a safe place. I'm never getting rejected by my mom. I'm never getting rejected by my dad. They, they love me. They care about me. And I can bring whatever um, I have to them. And, you know, this would go for the spouse as well. Uh, as we treat our spouses, this should be a safe place for our spouses to bring us whatever they're struggling with, whenever they're struggling with it. And so work to do that um, is to keep your house safe because that's what God wants it to be. The second thing is work to keep it green. It should be a greenhouse, a safe house, a greenhouse. The Bible always calls the, or, or always compares, often compares the family to a garden um, to grow people in. Listen to this song. Let our sons, this is Psalm 144, 12, let our sons in their youth be as grown-up plants. Okay, so, so like you're looking at your family and you're tending to that thing, and it is a place of growth. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so we bring them up as dads, and this would um, go for a mother as well, we we bring our kids up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We shape souls for the Lord. Like, if I get to say anything else, like, you know, look at these kids and don't look at them as your kids. They're his kids. They're, they're souls that belong to the God of the universe. And as a parent, your job is to shape them for him. And, and understand, man, all that I do. Now, some of you are going, geez, I wish I would have heard this 30 years ago. My kids are all grown, and how they would have benefited if I had got that. Listen to me. You never stop being a parent. My dad has been dead for 11 years, and he is still the most influential person in my life. One of the reasons I like projects is because it, it, it makes me feel close to my dad. He did projects, and I think about him a lot. And so you, you, your kids may be grown, but you still are influencing your kids. You always will. You always um, will provide these things for them. And so certainly the relationship changes, but don't think that you don't have any influence over your kids' lives just because um, they're older. And so a home is a place where, we are gro where growth takes place because there's, there's some things that you don't leave home without. And one is, is relationships. You learn how to relate to people in your home, good or bad, right or wrong, effective or ineffective, you learn it in your home. And so a lot of times your happiness depends on your ability to relate to other people. If you can't relate to other people, then it can severely impact your happiness. Now, happiness is different than joy. It's, it's about circumstances. But if you can relate to other people, then your circumstances are shifted. And, and so um, what you want to do is you, you want to work to help your kids develop healthy relational behavior. And one of the things, one of the things that's challenging about having five kids is like logistically going somewhere. So if you have the Holbrooks over, like if you say, hey, let's have the Holbrooks and let's go out and eat next week. Before you count your family, you already need a table of seven, okay? And so if your family has four or five, then we're already up to a big table. If you want to go on a cruise, those of you who are starting your families, there's a little tidbit. I've looked at this. 
the number of kids that you can have in a room is four. You can get a stateroom. If you go to five, you have to have two staterooms. And so it just totally blows up. We're not going on a cruise, right? Not until Joel and Jonah are gone. Then we're going. <laughs> so, so, so like logistically, there are problems. The food wheel goes up. But let me tell you what is, what is a beautiful win with a big family. You always are developing. Like there's always relationally something going on. I mean, just all the time they're interacting with one another and you, you can listen to them and you can observe them. And so that's what you want to do. You want to listen for these conversations that are taking place with them and their friends and, and just kind of know where they're at and always gauging and helping them walk through moments and learn how to really follow Jesus and how they're relating to other people. The second thing is you, you don't um, leave home without character. And much of what you uh, are, you basically pick up from your parents. And so uh, they, the saying, like, like father, like son. <laughs> Man, the older I get, the more I become like my dad. It is the weirdest thing, um, and, which is not a bad thing. My dad is a great dude and, and love to uh, emulate him. But you, you just don't think that way when you're younger. And you just like, you're like, I'm just like my dad, man. And, and so like what is happening there is all of the, the character of who I am as a person, man, much of it was set in stone by the time I was 12 years old. Like I, my dad was my hero. I wanted to be just like my dad. I thought he had superhuman strength. It seemed like he could do things that nobody else could do. And I just looked at my dad and just thought, he, he's amazing, man. He could do all these things. And I want to be like my dad. That's what your kids want to be like. That's what's happening in your home right now, Dad. It's like they're looking at you. And whatever you're showing them, like that's the deal is, man, character is caught more than it is taught. And so that's why it's so important for us to focus on this and, and, and to be intentional with it because, man, our kids are picking up from us 24-7. That's why the whole model, like the devotional model of spiritual development in your home of doing a devotion once a week, again, is a great tool. I'm not, I'm not saying don't do that. What I'm saying is if you rely on that, it won't work. Like it has to complement who you are. You have to be the devotional tool. You are Jesus in the home. And so as they're watching you, that, that's what they're forming, how, what it is like to follow Jesus is they're watching mom and they're watching dad. They're, they're watching us interact with each other. They're watching us interact with other people. And, and they're forming, they're like, like they're moldable. We call these the Play-Doh years. Like they're just impressionable. You can make, but man, when they get around 13 or 14, that Play-Doh starts getting hard, right? <laughs> It's like, it's, they're becoming kind of what they are, you know. Zoe, is, Zoe, if y'all, this is so funny. Um, Zoe is the baby, um, and I have always, I have not made, I have not tried to make it a secret that she has got baby treatment. Like, oh, Zoe's the baby. And they told me this about, about eight months ago. When I heard the kids, they were talking, they said, hey, Dad, we've noticed since we got Red Dog, Zoe's not the baby anymore. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's true. <laughs> and so, but Zoe, man, she's in seventh grade and she is coming out of her shell right now. And she'll tell you how the cow eats the cabbage. Do y'all know what that means? Well, it's kind of an Oklahoma saying, but I guess uh, it just means, you know what it means. Like it just means what it, it just, how you do something, man. Uh, so anyway, she, it's funny that she, so, so wh- here's the deal is just know this, man, when they're young, like you, what you can put into them in their faith is amazing. And so you, you put it in there, man, and you, you work to develop them and, and show them the way of the Lord because they're pe- char- catching that character and they're catching um, their values. Uh, all the things, again, we learn about uh, home, work, time, money, uh, play, other people. We learn it at home. Okay, so these things are happening. So work to keep that house green and understand, man, it's got to be a safe place. It's got to be a green place where I'm teaching the things uh, of the Lord and about life and the principles of God. But this one, this last one is really important. It needs to be a fun house. Okay, it needs to be fun. And sometimes it's easy for Christian parents to go so overboard um, on this uh, greenhouse effect that they feel it feels like a drill sergeant lives in the home. They don't know how to have any fun. It's every conversation we have is about Jesus. Every conversation that you have doesn't need to be about Jesus. If Jesus lives in you, then every conversation you're having, Jesus is a part of. And so sometimes we just need to have fun, man, and not make this place like this. Like when I say, when I say like, um, that your house should be a microcosm of the church. I don't mean Sunday morning service, okay? Like, I mean, what it, what, like, it's safe. It's a place where you learn. It's a place where you're cared for. But it's also a place where you have some fun. You just have some good old-fashioned fun with your kids. And, and you know, there's, a, there's the saying that says, man, a family that prays together stays together. And I say a family that plays together stays together, too. And if you don't have any fun with your kids right now, don't expect them to come home later. Because there's no fun there. But if you have fun at home now, your kids are going to want to be around you later because they just know it is a fun place uh, uh, to be. And so work to keep that place or your house a fun uh, place. It, Ecclesiastes 9 says this, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. I can enjoy it and work to find some ways to have a good time uh, in your home. And so uh, we, we want to be focused on that. And so the question is, is, do you have fun with your kids? Do you enjoy your, like, are you looking for ways to enjoy your family? And I think sometimes that needs to be where you are doing it individually with, with one kid. Sometimes you may take a couple of kids, but sometimes you need to do the whole family, man. And look for ways to be intentional with that. Um, and, and, and find ways that you can uh, just do things as a family because there's something really, like, there's something powerful about the whole family unit doing something together that is fun. We, we went to a movie uh, over Christmas break. It was the first time we'd gone to a movie in a long time. And the whole family went. And we rode in the same car and, and went... It cost me a hundred dollars. 
And no, we didn't get any popcorn. You want popcorn, you buy your own popcorn when you got that many kids. They say it's not fun, but it's, it's green, though. Say it's green. <laughs> uh, and so, and so but we, uh, we all, you know, we went and we, were, we got out of the car and we were walking in. And I was like, geez, man, it feels like I've got a youth group with me. Like it, it, it reminded me of my youth pastor days because they're so much older. But it was, it was so enjoyable. Uh, I think all of us enjoyed it. The movie was, was, was good. We saw Spider-Man. And, uh, but what was, I think... I think deep down what it made it so enjoyable, I know it did for me, is we were all together and we were just doing something fun. And that's a powerful thing that you may not think of as a Christian thing, but it is a Christian thing to have fun. I don't think there was probably a person who was more fun that ever walked the planet than Jesus because he had so many followers. And people don't follow people who aren't fun, right? Or if they do, they're not very, like, you don't want to be around them. And so believers ought to be having fun. They ought to be engaging in in fun. And so uh, uh, Psalm 127, verse 3, let's just kind of give you a vision for your family. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. It's like, like man, the Lord just said, man, when you got kids, it's, it's a blessing. And again, we could carry that over. When you got spiritual kids, you're shaping kids, or spiritually you're shaping people in your life. Those are spiritual children. And that's a blessing of the Lord. And um, here's the big idea. Be intentional, not conventional. The world has enough conventional parents. You need to be an intentional parent, where you're intentional with the things of the Lord. You're thinking about, how do I, how do I create this safe place for my kids to live in, this place that is green, that they're learning about the things of the Lord in, and this place that is fun? Intentionally shape them because, again, as I said, especially for those of you who have younger kids right now. Like, Jonah graduates this year. Faith will be a senior next year. Um, and then there will be Zoe and Caitlin to just kind of work through high school. And then it's, it's over as far as development goes. And I'm telling you, man, it seems like I just got them yesterday. It just boom. And I'm like, what? And so if you're like, you, you don't get a second chance. And so you just invest, man, and you got to have vision. And think about these are the most important things. It's more important, it's more important than anything you have them involved in. And this is the scary thing. Is the world will talk us into investing countless dollars into club ball, countless hours we say we don't have any time we're running to all these things and again i'm not anti any of those things but when you boil it right down those things don't mean a hill of beans compared to this this is the most important thing and so like we got to step back and go if i'm saying i don't have time i'm really not being honest and so there is what your kids are going to catch because they don't have time for the things of the lord 
And, and what you got to do is you got to make time. you got to be intentional. And you don't have to worry about what everybody else is doing. Well, what if my kid doesn't do this? What if, what if I don't keep them in this and they're not successful later? You know, they, they may not get a Division I scholarship. Chances are they're not getting it anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if, if they're good, if they're good, like Kevin Durant didn't start playing basketball till the ninth grade. He's doing just fine. Okay? I think that's true. A lot of, like, if it's in them, it's in them, and you don't have to worry about it. But don't sacrifice everything on the altar uh, of, of something that doesn't matter. Have a vision of teaching your kids about who the creator of the universe is, because this thing called parenting of these small kids will be over um, before you know it. And so if, it's, if you're engaged in it, like, look, don't make it hard. It's not hard. It's really easy as long as you're intentional. So don't overthink it. Just do it. And, and that's, that's, what, that's how you develop a family for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to bow. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of family. I thank you for my kids. What a joy they are. Um, and pray over them today. Pray for your blessing on their lives and all the kids of OPCC. All the parents, Lord that you'd help us all to maintain a healthy vision for our family and what it means to be a family um, that understands we derive our name from heaven, from you. That this thing called Patria, it is your idea, and we got our name from you. And you're watching us, and you care about us, and you will help us. And so we pray as families that we would represent you well and that we would grow up um, healthy followers for you. We would shape souls for you, Lord, that run hard after you and change the culture around them. We love you and thank you and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.